So tonight's a special night. All of our second year confirmation students are with us as they will get to take for the first time communion with us. And what, what a better night to do that than Maundy Thursday, the night when we remember the Last Supper where Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper and communion. And so, you know, to, to prep for this and, and think about this, I was thinking about my first communion and started looking back and tr- trying to remember parts of it. And, you know, I looked at uh, some pictures of my first communion. Now, before I show this, back in my day, this was, I'll show you in a second, this was, uh, we, we did our first communion on Confirmation Day. So it was a little different back then, right? So everything's kind of happening at once, but uh, I remember that first communion day, so it looked a little bit like this, and my sisters are going to be upset with me for showing you this, especially Anna. She's really mad about something. I'm not sure what. Um, that was many years ago, but that was actually in this church, believe it or not. That wasn't in this worship center. This didn't exist yet. It was upstairs. Uh, and I remember a lot of things about that day. You know, I remember support from family who came to, to support me in that and how special that was. I remember the spiritual side of it and, and all the preparation right, through confirmation, learning about the Lord's Supper before finally receiving that. And, and it was a powerful spiritual experience. And of course, also the, the, the physical experience of receiving that first communion as well. And some of you adults are maybe going to be able to relate to this as well, right? Because you, you walk up and you know, you, I'm forget for confessing my sins. And you walk up and you take that wafer. And I don't know what you thought the first time, but I thought, oh, there must have been something wrong with that one. There was no flavor. Then you realize it's just like, it's like, no, don't enjoy it. Just think about Jesus, right? And then, uh, then you have a choice to make. Do you go from this, this big common cup or do you take one of the nice individual cups and so you have that choice to make but I remember doing that then and and tasting that and it wasn't just wine right it's blood of Christ as well and that oh how how strong I thought that was right and then someone tells you later that it's it's Mogan David it's not even really that strong so there's the physical experience that confirmands you'll get to experience tonight but I don't want that to be your biggest takeaway okay if that is your biggest takeaway then that's really a shame because there's so much that is going on with the Lord's Supper that we want to talk about tonight. And, and I want to bring you to a new understanding of it to, for everyone to understand this in a way that maybe you never have before. So I just talked about, you know, the, the common cup or the individual cup, and you guys shared that as we welcomed one another. And you know, what, what is that common cup even, even there for, right? Some may think that just seems a little outdated. Well, the reason we do this is it, it all goes back to Jesus's Last Supper, and, and really even before that, the Passover meal that they're celebrating. There are four common cups that are passed throughout the meal. Now, this isn't four cups for each person, okay? This is four cups passed around throughout the meal, and in order to really understand what's going on, the origins of the Passover meal and what this meal means for us, we have to look back. So if you hang with me, just a few minutes, we're gonna get some details and we're gonna start to put these details together. And and my goal is that you understand this meal in a way you never have before. So if you you go back, the, the meal that Jesus, you saw in the video, he's participating in with the disciples is the Passover meal. And that Passover is a special time, a moment in Jewish history, in Israel's history. 
So what had happened is God said he would bless his people, and that's exactly what he did. His people were blessed, and they grew in number, and they grew to a point where Egypt got a little uncomfortable. They got a little insecure. So what does Egypt do? They enslave God's people. And as they're in slavery, God delivers them through a series of plagues. And in that series of plagues, uh, he's showing his power to his people, also to the Egyptians. The tenth plague is the worst. The tenth plague is the plague of death, and it's what's known as the Passover. So in order to, what happens with this plague is there's an angel that comes. It's not a good angel. It's the angel of death. And as the angel of death is coming, God's people are told to protect themselves. So they're to take a spotless, blemish-free lamb, sacrifice that lamb, and spread the blood over their doorposts with a hyssop branch, as you see here. And in doing that, the angel of death would come and see that mark and that sacrifice and pass over it. Now, that wasn't the end. You had to eat the lamb. And so the the family would gather around this, this meal, and they would eat the lamb so that this plague would pass over them. And they would do this standing up. They ate this meal standing up. Why? Because they were ready to go. They knew that through this plague, they would be delivered from slavery. So they eat standing up. And they eat the lamb. And this was a a bonding experience also for the family. But it it also became a covenant experience with God. So after this Passover and after they're delivered from the angel of death, from slavery in Egypt, they would celebrate this Passover meal each year. And as they celebrated this Passover meal, what they were also celebrating was this covenant between God and his people. Now, what's a covenant? It's a fancy word for a bond or an agreement. We have covenants, okay? There's two types. There's a covenant between two equal parties, like marriage. Marriage is a covenant where uh, you make that bond, that promise that only death is going to part you. And you also have covenants that are between unequal parties, like a king and his subjects. And those, those are different covenants. That's the kind of covenant this is because God is, is ruling over his people, yet he makes a bond, a relationship with them. That through their relationship with him and and through a series of sacrifices that symbolizes that relationship, he's their God, he protects them, and they would be his people. And so as that happens, obviously they break that bond. They break that promise and that covenant again and again, and God renews that covenant with them. And they would celebrate the Passover as a part of that covenant. It's a bonding experience. It's showing a love for God, but also bringing families together. Those are key. So that's what Jesus and his disciples are now doing. At the Last Supper, they're celebrating that Passover meal. And in this Passover meal, there's four parts. You have four parts reflected by or each completed by four cups. So the first part of the meal, it's a blessing. Just like you would pray before a meal, it's a blessing, a prayer called the Kaddush. And they would do this prayer, pass around a dish of bitter herbs. Why? That doesn't sound very appetizing, to remember the bitter slavery that they used to be a part of, that they used to be subjected to. And now, instead of eating this meal standing up, they're eating at a table much lower than this. They're actually eating lying down. It's a symbol of their freedom. No longer are they waiting to be delivered from slavery. They're free. And so this, this first, the bitter herbs are eaten, and then the first cup is passed around. Um, The second part, the narrative, the story 
of being delivered from slavery, of, of the Passover, was recited from Exodus 12. And after that, a psalm was sung. And this psalm was called a hallel. It's where we get the word hallelujah. So they sang this hallelujah, and the second cup was passed. You have then the third part of the meal. It's the roasted lamb, the unleavened bread, the good stuff, right? And you, you would celebrate this. And the third cup, the cup of blessing, would be passed. But none of this is complete without the fourth cup. The fourth cup is called the cup of consummation. It's the cup of completion, finality. It's, it's the, the climax of the meal. So you have not only a hallel that's sung, it's called the great hallel, the great hallelujah. Psalms 114, 115, 116, 118 are all sung. And then the fourth cup, this cup of completion, finality, is passed. And that completes the Passover. So that gives us a little context into this meal right, that Jesus is having with his disciples. And at the Last Supper, in Mark, we, we see that when Jesus had given thanks, he gave it to them, the wine, and they all drank of it. And he said that this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for many. See, Jesus is, is now talking about this, this covenant in the Old Testament. And he's saying, that's going to change. I'm going to bring you a new covenant. And now instead of this Passover lamb, there's going to be a new sacrifice. Can you guess what that is? The sacrifice is himself. So he's going to eliminate this old covenant, this old system of, of rules and sacrifices. He's going to become that sacrifice. So he says, this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for many. So Jesus is both, he's the lamb of God. He's this lamb as a sacrifice. He's also the firstborn son of God. Just as many firstborn sons who didn't avoid the angel of death died in Egypt. So during the Last Supper, when you put all the Gospels together, they go through the first cup, the second cup, the third cup, but then it stops. Jesus leaves. And Jewish scholars look at this and they say that something must have gone wrong. Maybe it was psychological factors that got to Jesus where he had to leave the meal. Or, or maybe it was something else that happened in the house that caused Jesus to leave, that caused this disturbance. They say this was just such a huge disruption for Jewish culture. But when we look at it, that's not the case at all. It's very intentional on Jesus' Jesus's part that he doesn't take the fourth cup, the cup of finality, consummation. He says this. He says, I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. I will not drink from this cup until my kingdom comes, until this new covenant has begun. And so we think about that. We, we think about the kingdom and, and Jesus coming, his kingdom coming. We think about the second coming, don't we? And yet that's, that's not necessarily the case here when we look at what Jesus is talking about. So Jesus, he, he doesn't let go of this cup. He goes to the garden now. And in the garden, he's praying that God would take this cup from him. He prays this three times, that he would take this cup from me because Jesus knows what that cup entails. In order to complete this thing, in order to complete this sacrifice, he has to go through bitter suffering and death. And so he's asking God that he would take this cup. Now fast forward a little bit. Jesus is handed over by his betrayer to his accusers. There's a mock trial. And, and believe it or not, during this period of time, this is when Jesus talks about his kingdom the most. Pilate presents Jesus to the people. He says, behold 
your king. What do they say? Away with him. Crucify him. Now, this happened at the sixth hour. That is when the Passover lamb was to be slain. Are you starting to see the connections here? So John, in, in John 1, 29, he calls Jesus the lamb of God. And so this lamb of God is given over to be crucified, to be sacrificed. Yet he's the only one, the only one crucified that day whose bones are not broken. Why is that? Look at the instructions for the Passover in Exodus. Must be eaten inside the house. Take none of the meat outside the house. Do not break any of the bones. Then we see a prophecy in the Psalms about this as well. He protects all his bones. None of them will be broken. This is all happening according to plan as Jesus is starting to bring in this new covenant. Now, if you think about Jesus' day to that point, he's, he's been flogged half to death. He's, he's been made to carry his cross up to a place where he's been nailed to it. Okay, he, he's lost a lot of fluid. He's lost a lot of sweat, a lot of blood. And he's been offered a drink, which he refuses. It was wine mixed with myrrh. And so you had a little bit of alcohol to numb the pain. Myrrh was also a, a numbing agent, a painkiller. Jesus refuses that. He knows that in order to take this cup, he has to take the entire thing. And so he has these opportunities where he, he, he'd been thirsting for hours, but he doesn't say anything about it until the moment right before he dies, where he cries out and he says, I thirst. And lo and behold, the, the drink of the Roman soldiers there was a wine that was mixed with vinegar. And in that, that process, that fermentation process, the, the alcohol was actually gone, but it was still wine nonetheless, and it was used to hydrate during the day. Jesus says, yes to that wine. As that wine was then soaked in a sponge, put on a hyssop branch, the same branch used to spread the blood over the doorposts in the Passover is then lifted to Jesus in that moment. He takes a small drink, just enough for him to utter his last word, to die, which means it is finished, it is completed. And in that moment, Jesus has taken the fourth cup, because in that moment, his kingdom has come to us. The new covenant has come to us, and as Jesus breathes his last, the curtain, the veil in the temple is torn in two, because no longer is the, the old covenant in effect, the old system of sacrifices. Jesus has brought in the new covenant where he is the sacrifice. That means everything to us. So if you look at the Passover, to end the meal, they, they didn't just have to uh, sacrifice the lamb and spread the blood. They had to eat the lamb. That's a, a crucial part. You have to eat the lamb. That's a crucial part for us as well. Because Jesus gives us this meal now. He says, do this in remembrance of me. For the forgiveness of your sins. For the, the strengthening of your faith. We are called too to eat the lamb. The body and blood in with and under the bread and the wine of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. For the forgiveness of our sins for the strengthening of our faith. And with this, this new covenant that Jesus brings in, the old system of sacrifices is gone. What it means for us is no matter how much sin you have buried away, no, much, no matter how much guilt, how much shame you're carrying with you, it's never enough to separate you from God because Jesus has wiped out that separation with his sacrifice. 
means instead of us trying to work our way to God, God comes to us. He comes to us in this meal. He comes to us with his forgiveness. All we have to do is believe, to have faith. And Jesus calls us to come to this meal to receive him and the forgiveness of our sins. And there's two things that go on here. So there's the, the vertical connection to God. And we receive the forgiveness. We receive the strengthening of our faith. We receive Jesus himself. There's also the horizontal connection to one another. So just as Passover families bonded over the Passover meal, the church family bonds over this meal as well. And Paul talks about that, that as we come to this meal together, there's a spiritual connection where we're all connected to God, but also to one another. And it's a beautiful moment where we lay down our divisions, where we confess our sins to God. We come to the table that way, and then we walk away from the table thanking him for all of the incredible gifts that he gives us. That's what this meal is about. That's the meal that we're called to continue to come to as we do here each and every week. It's the meal that we celebrate until one day we get to that grand meal. If you look at Revelation 19, there's what's called the wedding supper of the Lamb. And so this is Jesus' wedding supper. Who's the bride of Jesus? It's the church. It's the moment when no longer do we just take Jesus in with and under the bread and the wine. We, we dine with him face to face with all believers. It's an incredible moment and meal that we look forward to. And we're called as a church to come to this meal until that day. Church, let's pray. God, I thank you for, for all that you've done for us, the way you poured yourself out for us, the way you sacrificed yourself for us, the way that you loved us so much that you came and, and selflessly died for us so that we can be with you. And God, although we, we await that day where we see you face to face, we're thankful that you come to us through your body, through your blood, through your promises. So Lord, I, I just pray that not only for our confirmands, but for all of us as, as we take this meal, we continue to grow in our relationship with you and also our relationship as a church with one another. We pray all of this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.